0: I just need someone who can make sure I'm safe, which, which, you know, not everyone can do that, right? But I just need to make sure someone doesn't, uh, you know, let me trip down the stairs or, you know, make sure I'm hydrated or something like that. But if I'm looking for a guide, I want some, a guide who, who understands their own process, who can hold you without medicine. The medicine is kind of just the bonus of it. But if they can't coach me well, without medicine, then they're probably not the right coach for me
1: how
2: to determine if coaching is right for you. Now, to explore this, the first thing I want to share, and this is something that I break down literally on day one anytime I speak to any potential client, and it's differentiating the difference between coaching, especially in the emotional realms, versus consulting. Typically, in my experience, if I'm wearing a consulting hat, for example, if someone wants insights on how to outfit their gym best or movement technique analysis, I'm going to look at the problem, potentially ask questions, but really draw on my knowledge knowledge, expertise, and experience to tell them or provide a series of options that are solutions to the problem that they're coming to me for. Now, it's very different than coaching in my eyes. Now, coaching is to me more about asking the right questions, surgical questions about holding space, about listening. And more importantly, it's about through the power of questions, supporting, guiding, and facilitating you, the client, in coming up with the answers yourself, those answers that are deep, Down hidden somewhere. Because to be honest, I have no idea how you should live your life. And to say anything otherwise for me um, is very off base. And so, in a coaching environment, it's a safe space for you to come to know yourself at a deeper level, how to integrate parts of yourself so that you can move forward in a more harmonious, dream affirmative, and whole way. If one on one coaching is something that you would like to explore with me, in the show notes, I will include my email. I can give you more details. We'll hop on a call and really see if we're the right fit to work together. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to The Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. Today on the show, we're bringing back Ted Ryder. Now, Ted was a guest on episode 48, where the whole focus of that show was around deepening intimacy. I've worked with Ted for over a year personally, and he is a coach who specializes in men's work, relationship work, and as it relates to today's topic, guided medicine journey, specifically for relationships. And today's episode is fascinating, and I really wanted to look at how we can utilize medicines when led intentionally, productively, when held in the right container, and how can it be a tool to help relationships grow and also heal during times of challenge. We talk about embodiment work in relationship dynamics, the fact that any medicine by no means is the magic pill, is a magic solution. It is going to take work. It is going to often take support and coaching and integration afterwards. So let's get into the show with Ted Ryder. This is the that and this is a topic, even as I was sharing with you right before we hopped on, uh, I was talking with Lauren about, I was like, hey, you got any questions for Ted? What's? And then all of a sudden I see like text message come in, text message, text message, text message, text message. (laughs) And I'm like wow, there's a lot there. It's all great <laughs> questions. She's like, I just realized I have a lot of questions around this and curiosities, as do I. So this is such a great, I mean, there's going to be so much here that I want to ask you, but to reel it in for a moment
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to
2: kind of bring it, let's let's have a, a clear starting place. I'm really curious, what was your introduction to medicine work and what did that look like for you? How did you kind of make your way into that realm? Well, prior to that,
0: I was super skeptical. Mm. Not doing a lot of people who are doing medicine work and they're coming back from Peru and and they were saying all these great things. And I had such judgment.
1: Mm. It's
0: like, yeah, that's like that's the cheater way, right? That's you're taking the shortcut. That's the shortcut to spirituality. And I've been doing, you know, spiritual work for you know 20 plus years. And so I had real judgment about it. And then a guy Called me. He was connected to the, through a common friend. And he called me and said, Hey, I want to do a program with Jews and mushrooms. Wow. Okay. And he was calling me because I was an ordained rabbi, am an ordained rabbi, and someone thought I might be open to that. And I said, Well, that sounds really interesting. And I have no idea. Like, I, I, I have no basis for this.
2: Never experienced any medicine work to that point yourself? No,
0: Okay. no, not at all. And, um, but I was curious and we had this amazing conversation and just really curious about it. And I says, well, so let, like, I don't even know where, we, where would I start? <laughs> and so he set me up with a woman who was his shaman and she guided me on my first journey. And it was a, it was really interesting. I did a ton of reading, just a tremendous amount of reading. And it was a mushroom journey. And I met with her, I think twice, to set intentions. And I did a whole bunch of reading, and so I knew, you know, the first stage you're going to have this, and the second stage you're going to have this, and the third. You know, it's kind of I, I studied all these things, and my intention was, I wanted to to dig into this place where I'd never felt at home. Just this existential, I don't feel at home here. I don't feel welcome. I don't feel safe here. And I think that there's a lot of good reasons for it. It's a, it's an epigenetic thing. It's my family being, you know, a Jewish lineage being thrown out of one country after another over the last couple thousand years. Mm. So I came by it naturally. My my grandparents were immigrants. And, and they escaped. It wasn't just a convenient, let's go to the United States. It was an escaping from Europe. And so there was this feeling of, I don't really belong. And so I went, I thought, well, this will cure it perfect we'll take a mushroom all will belong and <laughs> and so a couple of things happened during that, that journey it was really interesting one was I had read so much about it that I kept thinking I was like oh is this where I get cold is it, or, or, or is this cold or is this not where I get cold I I, started, I was thinking like through all of the steps that I thought were going to happen um, it took me a while to kind of relax yeah. and just into the experience And the shaman was really patient with me and the medicine was really patient with me. And I had this vision of people walking through a desert. And they were all about like an arm's length apart. They didn't seem to be communicating. You could just kind of picture like very much a formation of people walking through the desert. And the conversation was still around. I, I don't feel like I belong. And the message I got was, it's okay, no one belongs. It's like, that's the message? (laughs) I wanted the message to be, no, you belong. You're welcome here. Everyone's welcome. And it was actually the opposite. It was actually, no, it's okay. No one belongs. Hmm. So it took me a couple of years to unpack that. But that was my first introduction into into possibility. Because I think that's what medicine is doesn't necessarily show you an answer
1: Hmm.
0: it shows you what's possible and then you have to do a lot of work to integrate it to make it meaningful rather than just a really cool experience which it is and there's no getting around that it's a cool experience it can be scary it can be just incredibly loving enjoyable all those things but that's just the experience Hmm. of what's possible then how do I take that into my life and make it something valuable? And that's what I'm most interested in.
2: I think that's huge because we, if we don't integrate these peak experiences, not that they're not transformative and don't have their place and it's beautiful, but if we don't leave and learn how to bring these things into our relationships, into how we care for ourselves, into how we show up and serve the world, it's a beautiful experience. However, did we really get the message and the teaching that,
0: hopefully we came into it right. seeking. Right, right. And we don't always get that either. We might yeah. go into an experience, this is the message I want. And that might not be the message you get. Could you unpack a little bit, because I love that point, You know, whether
2: it's the difference of how you experience an intention versus an expectation, or what's been your experience with that yourself and then navigating, leading uh, people with this?
0: Yeah, it's... Um, I think the pre-work is really important. and. The pre-work can be a couple of days, can be weeks
1: mm.
0: of what? what is it that we want? What it really most serve me? Because I, I think that with a lot of these medicines, you don't want to do a lot of it. So you want to really prep for it, make sure it's going to be something of significance rather than I'm going to do this every week. For frequency. The next, <laughs> yeah, yeah, frequency. Right. So you can't do that often. Your brain, your body just needs to reset. So... It can take weeks or months of, here's what I would want to come out of this. Hmm. And so one of the important things to do, though, is to learn how to hold it lightly. Hmm. You know, kind of like you're holding a little, like a baby chick in your hand, right? Right. It's like, it's precious. It's beautiful. You don't want to squeeze it. And so you know, I'm not sure why that came to mind. But, but the I think it's the same with the intention. Like, what do I want out of this? Well, I want to, you know, for that first one was to answer the question about, do I belong? And I think I probably held on to it too hard. I kind of forced it. And maybe that was the message, like, stop forcing this. No one belongs. Cut it out. But over time, I've learned that if I come in with an intention of feeling pleasure in my body, Mm. that was an important one for me. I want to feel pleasure in my body. And I just want to be open to the experience. What will happen? And so just sometimes with that, with that note, of that's enough to carry me through. Um, but I think that's also one of the important things we have when there's someone who is guiding us. So if I'm doing something on my own, I'll have these intentions, I'll write them out, and I might or might not you know, go back to them. But with a guide with me, they're there to keep that prompt. So to see that, oh, here's the thread, and they're going this way, let me see if I can just gently bring them back in.
2: Would you mind sharing, uh, because I have yet to sit with you in a medicine ceremony, and so I obviously don't have context in how you typically organize those or structure the Mm -hmm. session. And I would be curious even, um, because I understand like MDMA is one that you'll Mm -hmm. use, mushrooms. Mm How do those, how you maybe approach them different? And can you maybe give a little bit of like insight into what does a, a session more or less look like? Well,
0: actually, let me back up. So there's the intention. Yes. And the intention might be, when I'm working with a client, a couple sessions with them. To really dig down into, you know, here's that want and desire. What's the need underneath it? Mm. Um, what are our fears around finding that need? What's the what's the possibility around finding that need and to really try to try to pull apart? You know what what is it that we want here? Um, because I believe that a lot of the work is done without the mess. Mm. So it's to, to prime lots of priming that goes on, lots of intention setting. Uh, the space itself I see as a temple,
1: mm.
0: so it creates sacred space. So you know. This is a, a beautiful room and uh, they can't see, but there's a, there's a, you know, huge TV on the wall over there, probably cover it up. Mm. You know, there's a way of, of taking technology out for most parts and really bring in things that, that feel good. You know, so like these pillows, like there's a, there's a good feel to them. But if I were to be in here, I might want some more. I might want some more blankets. I might want some more pillows. I might want some flowers. Something that just just feels good in my body. So there's no like prescriptive thing. It's more of an intuitive thing. Hmm. If I just if I were to sit here for a few minutes, I'd say okay. You know what would what would good what would be feel good? What would feel good on my hands? Um, what are the smells in the room? So maybe there's some incense or sage or, or something like that that's burned. Maybe some candles. Uh, what's the lighting like? Uh, so there are um, there are big open walls over here. And in some settings, that might work, work really well.
1: Mm.
0: But tomorrow, I'm do, uh, taking a client on a mushroom journey. Mm. And we're using a, a fairly small room so it can kind of contain the energy. And it'll be, you know, we'll have soften it up with blankets and things like that. But it to kind of be its own space. So the day itself has a lot of ritual. And it has a lot of music. So there's music throughout. And then it has, in the practice itself, lots of prompting. Mm. So to go back to some of those things that we talked about in the last couple of weeks that we were together, um, sometimes sentence stems.
2: Sentence stems?
0: Can you sentence you? stems. Um, I especially do this with couples here's what I love about our relationship. Da, 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 da. Mm. They fill it in. Here's what I want more of in our relationship. Da, 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 da. They fill it in. Because otherwise we kind of just get lost in medicine. Like, oh, this is great. Like, yeah, this is great. And you're totally open right now. Let's yeah. use this. Let me, let me prompt you a little bit. And it's really the same things that I do outside of medicine. It's just that when we're in the medicine space, the hearts are open. Mm-hmm. So I can speak without feeling like I need to filter things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I can listen in a way that I don't feel judged. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of all this. Um, one of the important things I also do in a medicine space, especially with couples, is I do a lot of embodiment work. So I I sit a couple in front of each other and teach them how to breathe with each other. Mm. So it's a tantric work. Teach them how to have a nice deep belly breath. Teach them how to move energy back and forth between them. Um, So playing with the energetics of our body. Uh, Noting that when things happen like, um, you know, I don't like it when you say, when you raise your voice, you know, and then to check on their body, like what's happening in your body at this time. And to really, to, to start having people start noticing, like, oh, this is the feeling. You know, when, when she walks toward me, there's part of me that wants to move back. Mm. Like intellectually, I know I don't need to move back, it's totally safe, but there's a, there's a childhood part of me that wants to move back. And so we start working with those just to feel that. Um, did a really cool thing a couple weeks ago. I had a couple who had been together a long time, 20 years. And no was really hard for him. When she said no, he would recoil, like in life. Mm. I must be bad, I shame, and so we did this really cool experiment where she put her arm out, put your arm out, mm. and I said to both of them, okay, you're gonna say, Can I touch you? And she's gonna say yes. And so, I'll do it. Can I touch you? Yes. Can I touch you? Yes. And then I said, this time, she's going to say no. Can I touch you? No. Wow. And he, he I, I saw it, we, but we all saw it. Like, he, he flinched, and the, inter- you the interesting thing was that he heard me. It wasn't her no. He heard you. Right, So I'm sitting there, so she's here, he's there, and I'm directing. She's going to tell you no this time. So he heard that I was the one that instructed her. <laughs> <laughs> but still, when she said it, even though he knew it was like, it was just, she was parroting me, Yeah, it still caused wow. this. It was fascinating. Fascinating. And even when we noticed it, it's like, hey, ma'am, that was me who said that he's like yeah I know but still it felt like it was from her so it really helped him recognize that her nose or his response to her nose are actually not about her nose Mm. they're about the no that he got when he was 5 or 25 or whatever you know it's way way back being in that medicine space allowed us just to see it so much more clearly
2: and feel into it feel and the into subtleties it. like all of those yeah. subtleties
0: and wow and not hold it with blame like oh man i must be an awful guy because i know that it wasn't her no and still i recoiled and how could i do that to her like that all was gone huh. it was more like oh that's so interesting and then we got to the part of i, I want to thank you for your no so, to train his body to thank her for her now. So, that's during the journey. And then we meet afterwards. Mm. We'll have a number of sessions afterwards to integrate, but not just to integrate, here are the things I learned, but to integrate, these are the things my body learned. Mm. So, I put them back into that same place. It's like, I don't know if you guys remember this, but this is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they were kind of vague. They, 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 they had a sense of what happened. But their body had changed. Wow. And now that's their practice. And it's just to say, hey, let's go do that, that, that grab of practice. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. It just opens up all kinds of things without all the filters that we always have. And for me, what's important is to prep them with those things, to bring the practices into the medicine, and then to have them continue afterwards. So people who have a lot of embodiment work, people who have tantric work are really ready to go for this stuff. Mm. And if not, I train them. We train them before, during, and after. And it's things that they can do later. Because ideally, you know, we don't want on some random Thursday for me to see my wife in the kitchen and think, oh, I need to go take medicine so I can connect with her. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. That's kind of the fail, right? We want to be able to say, oh, like I can just call up that place and connect with her. Boom. And I realized that when I had uh, one of my first experiences with MDMA.
1: Mm.
0: I said pleasure a few minutes ago. I had never really felt pleasure in my body. There are pleasurable things, right? I'm like, yeah. But I think it's the case with a lot of men. It's hard to access it. Mm. Like we're dense, right? (laughs) This dense meat body (laughs) that has brief moments of pleasure. And like, where'd it go? But to sit in that place for five hours, it's like, oh, like this feels really good. Like if I just move my hips a little bit, if I just, have any kind of movement and you're a movement guy maybe you've done this for your whole life but I was able to access that that pleasure
1: mm.
0: and then afterwards like it's just like if I want pleasure yeah it, it just takes like a little bit of a movement like yep, I'm right there and that's when I realized oh this is amazing this is an amazing tool especially if we combine it with embodiment work Wow. So that's where I've been going. That's incredible. Really There's is.
2: so many questions that came up as you were going. How do you discern, as a guide, what it was really helpful to hear, like, potentially when these things would be appropriate if they've done the prep and how you mm-hmm. support them? How do you discern between is it mushroom is the medicine or MDMA or? How do you discern that? Is it just through the dialogue with the couple, or what you've learned and seen?
0: It's it's through dialogue. Some people have experience with it. Okay, you know, I took mushrooms at a party, or I took right X bad experience, or, or, like that. or yeah, <clears throat> or a great experience, or or you know, I, I saw you know how to change your mind. I saw you know a show or read a book or something like that. Um, so I certainly want to see what what they're up to. Mm. But, but part of it is, what's the what's the purpose of this?
1: Mm.
0: What's the purpose? Is it to go in and to figure out those old stories that I need to excavate that I haven't really uncovered? I need to uh, you know figure out some of those old patterning.s You know, then mushrooms is a great place to go. If I want to be more of myself, be fully myself. If I want to open more, if I want to connect more, certainly. If I do it with couples, uh, MDMA is a great. Is a great choice and sometimes we can combine the two. But um, but usually it's one or the other. Hmm. And I really haven't had a miss. I'm sure it's possible, right? But if, as long as you're open to the experience, right, and you're recognizing that this day is not gonna solve your problems. That yeah. right there. Right. <laughs> That right there, mic drop on that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, any course you take, any any drug you take, any whatever you take, it's not going to solve your problems, and it's a great tool.
2: How, in a session, if and when challenges or in a couple session, Mm -hmm. if and when challenges arise, how do you navigate in that space when there is a lot of wateriness of like people being so open if you know, triggers light up? Like, how do you navigate challenges? And we'll just start with that. So I see
0: two kinds of challenges. One is just the solo challenge. Two people together, but there's often solo challenges Mm. of, I think that the medicine is hitting me differently than it's hitting my partner. Mm. That's kind of the, the basis of a lot of them. You know, am I... Am I too deep in and am I not not deep enough in? It's kind of it's 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 that thing. Interesting. Um, is this okay that I'm doing this? It's that thing. Especially with people who haven't experienced anything like this. Is this okay? Like there's a lot of moral stuff going on. Is this okay that I do it? So there's the personal stuff like that. Hmm. As far as the interpersonal stuff, well, that's the juicy stuff. That's the place of where you really get to play. And so when the feelings come up, it's a great opportunity to encourage the feelings and to teach the other person to be a yes to their feelings. Because hmm. I have so much in relationship, right? We, we make the person wrong for their feelings. You're too much. You're not enough. Whatever it is, like you, you, you. And so it's just to be a yes. Like, can I be a yes to her anger at me right now? And so I'll have people go through breath practices. I'll have people ground down. I usually have a couple of zafus, a couple um, meditation pillows and go back to the breath, which is why I always teach breath beforehand. I mm. want them having some kind of basis in that. Go back to the breath, trust the breath. That becomes the structure is the breath. Can you open your heart, you know, while she's crying? can you open the heart while she's screaming. Wow. And you know beautiful things come through. And you know, grief comes through. And when their partner is able to see you in your grief and be a yes to it, even if they cause some of the grief, that is incredibly healing for both of them. Oh my gosh. I actually can be a yes to your grief. I didn't know that they could do that. I thought I would wither and blow away if I if I was a yes to your grief. Um, and it comes up a lot, you know, grief over that death, but grief over kind of the death of the relationship mm-hmm. often happens. I thought our relationship would be this way, and it's not,
2: even if they stay together, so it that's how they've they stay
0: like, yeah,
2: wow, yeah,
0: um, so you know beautiful, beautiful things come out in those, and um and can really bring people together, and not always, as I said, it's not the cure, sometimes people um, recognize afterward that they're not the right ones for each other. Mm. But they come from now from a place of compassion. Now I really hear you. I've, now I've really understood. I, I said before that I did, that yeah, I understood. But now after this experience, I really get you on a different level. And I can love you and know that we're not going to be together. So it's going to be heartbreaking, but but beautiful at the same time. Very healing. Yeah. When I have groups of people, I'm with another person. Can you explain? I I bring someone in with me to Like a
2: co-facilitator? Is that what you mean? Okay. Yeah. How does that structure... Well, before I ask that question, this is a great topic, man. This is great. And I know it's nuanced and I know it depends on the person, the individual, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious to hear your thoughts and experiences around. Is there any... um, Times in the relationship that you are like red flags, medicine work would not be a fit, like in the middle of a
0: divorce or not. Yeah, what comes up with that? When there's a lot of anger between the two, okay, it's probably not the time for the two of them to be together. To be together, even with medicine, with medicine, with medicine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. with medicine. Um, I do a lot. of Most of my work is without medicine, Mm -hmm. right? For the last thirty years, mostly business without medicine, and. And there's a place for mediation. There's a place for intentional dialogues when, that, when they're really heated. Mm. Um, I haven't had that kind of blow up during the medicine journey. Um, maybe that's how I pick my clients. Maybe that's all <laughs> the pre-work we've done. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But if they were really hot, I would not have them together. And one of the first agreements we always make is, um, you know, don't hurt yourself, don't hurt me, don't hurt the surroundings. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and and, and very important. That's never been a problem. Never been a problem. So I wouldn't want to put that into the into the space. Um, that is a place to work with people solo. A, a, a good baseball bat and a pillow are also a really good thing to do with or without medicine. Like let's let's get that energy out or let's find other ways to get the energy out. And I, I can give you, you know, half a dozen ways to kind of expel the energy so that it that doesn't come out. Blah. And that's key. Right? If the energy is like it hurts. But if I can take that same energy and go, you can sit there and go, oh, okay. They're mad. <laughs> It might be mad at me, but at least it's not like I can actually listen to it still.
2: Yeah. What the way I heard that and is like um yeah, you can actually hear it and almost uh maybe unmerge yourself a little bit from mm-hmm. what you're hearing as opposed to someone's yelling at you, you're a piece of shit or something right, like right, that. Right. Like it's right there, like literally right in front of your face, whereas at least you have that separation to, as you you say, a lot of the men's work, especially like becoming the witness of the experience yeah. Yeah. as opposed to merging and becoming it.
0: Right, right. right. Hmm. Hmm.
2: How does this work now differ from similarity and differences now in a group setting? You were saying you yeah. bring in a facilitator. What's that uh, container like?
0: So, so far, those have all been Couples working with each other, hmm. just happening to be in community. Couples work. Okay. Got so it. like you would be there with your wife, I'd be with more you, know, I'd be with my wife, and we'd see each other. And we'd probably have a little dialogue at the beginning and maybe at the end. But the work would really be between the two of us and the two of you. So it's still couples' work, but it's just in community. That's really interesting. Hmm. Because When i do couples work without medicine i very often get um self-judgment a lot of the of the of the participants are like looking over there looking over there Mm. like their partner looks much more excited than my partner what am i doing wrong (laughs) or or maybe i shouldn't be sitting on his lap yet because they're not doing it over there so a lot of of self criticism, love, self-judgment. He even had to start turning people certain ways. Remember I did this one practice with men on the outside and women on the inside. And a number of the women after that said, it felt like he kept looking at other women. And he might have, Uh certainly he might have, but whether or not he did, she was feeling that. So, for that, I put the women on the outside. Next one, and, and next one, I have women on the outside, men on the inside. <laughs> it solved the whole problem. <laughs> but with mess, you don't have that. It's really interesting. We'll have couples working together, and they can feel these people over there who are having a really difficult time or yeah. a really beautiful time. And it's more like, oh, okay, <laughs> like it's lovely. Whatever they're doing is is fine. So it, it really. It, it creates a little bit of community like, Oh, go. We're all here together, uh, but still a separateness that you can be pretty intimate with your partner and not feel like, you know, past your boundaries. And how do you
2: determine the dosage or the right amount for that? Because in that space, especially, um, I feel like there's a, I don't want to say a functional level, but like, a level where you can work with it. And then mm-hmm. if it goes too much on any medicine, it's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> <yeah. clears throat> I, uh, I, I don't have my feet underneath me and I can't really yeah, navigate yeah, yeah. a conversation. So how do you yeah. determine that the right amount? Yeah.
0: Well, so my, the first journey I did, yeah. the one where, you know, no one belonged. That was like a hero's dose. Okay. That was, that was way out there. Um, I don't do that because I want people to be able to still work with me. So I'll step people up. Hmm. So with mushrooms, I'll do a gram, and then a second gram, and then a third gram, if it seems appropriate. Uh, but I don't want to go to that place. Um, there are people who do that. You know I think there's a value to doing it, but I want to still be able to communicate. I want to be to have that person in the like in the space still, because um, I think that's where they will get the most use out of it. Mm. And so it really it's a let's, let's step you up. And so the same when it's a group. You know, we'll we'll do body weight to figure out. You know, mushrooms is not as important, but but certainly MDMA is important to know body weight and to to uh, calculate it that way, and then to give a boost if it seems appropriate. Hmm. And um, invariably, no one knows when that's appropriate for themselves. <laughs> so it's like, no man, I, it's still running. There's a lot in you right yeah. now. I can tell. There's a lot in you. <laughs> yeah. Um. Because people, it sticks with people differently, and these medicines really—you know—they last for four eight hours to eight hours, but they really last for days. Mm. On some level, your your heart is still open. You're you're still crunchy. You're still kind of going through the motions. You're totally safe to be out in the world, but there's still stuff happening in you, and uh, and your chemicals are rebalancing, and that's a change. And so, you know, my I take a fairly conservative approach little by little can always come back in a couple months do it again
2: <laughs> yes and there i, I appreciate that stairs time especially within this type of container where it's quite at least it's an active container mm-hmm. in, in that regard it's mm-hmm. a relational and there's yeah. interaction and there's there's a, a participation and active participation yeah. in that way and uh and i could see how helpful it is to have a guide with this and everything that you've shared especially up to this point from the preparation to the non-medicine work to mm. you know recognizing what is the uh, the level of heat or fire in the relationship <laughs> at that moment what insight or what advice might you provide someone to if they wanted to select a guide mm. what questions could they ask or how could they determine if this uh, is the right fit for them?
0: I think a big part about it is just being comfortable with the guide. So it's spending some time with the guide. And I think it, it, for me, what's so important is the stuff we do outside. So I start with coaching sessions, just regular coaching sessions. and And I think that for me, if I was looking for a new guide, I love my guide. If I was looking for a new guide, I would want to do it just a coaching session with them.
1: Hmm.
0: Because I think there's a value to let the medicine do the medicine's work. I don't know how to say this politely. I'll just say it's kind of a cop out that the medicine will do its work. Like uh,
2: taking the self, res- is that if I'm hearing you right? Like yeah, taking, responsibility, taking, out. taking the
0: responsibility out. Yeah. Then I just need someone who can make sure I'm safe, which, which, you know, not everyone can do that. Right. But I just need to make sure someone doesn't, uh, you know, let me trip down the stairs, or you know, make sure I'm hydrated, or something like that. But if I'm looking for a guide, I want some a guide who who understands their own process, who can hold you without medicine. Hmm. The medicine is kind of just the bonus of it. But if they can't coach me well without medicine, then they're probably not the right coach for me. Yeah, that's very
2: helpful. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I think, especially the way that I'm hearing, the way that you structure it, like there's so many layers of intentionality and building. And Mm so, I think, I think you, how do I say it's like. I think you, by this process, you dodge a lot of bullets in the sense that you dodge a lot of unnecessary bullets mm-hmm. in terms of uh, the challenges that can show up and really making sure that someone is, because someone is committed. Like what I'm hearing, like if I was a participant in this and I'm going through your process, like it's a commitment and it's not something to be taken lightly. It is and it isn't, but right. like I'm committing to this as opposed to, which is exactly to your point, maybe a time and a place, but. I'm gonna show up and let the medicine work on me. There's maybe a for sure uh, a purpose for that, but this oh, yeah. this container and then the intentionality and then almost like it feels with the integration. I think you and I you and I have either talked about this or you shared this in the men's group, like even with structuring retreats or structuring events, there's kind of like a a buildup and then you hit a peak and then there's yeah. like a. A gradual landing,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, and I've always I've kept that since you shared that in my head, and I think that's beautiful because it's like ending at the peak. Uh, there needs to be some stair step or some soft yeah, Otherwise, landing. otherwise, how can people effectively once again integrate it into their life and feel like there can be such a disparity? And especially having, you know, in some of the medicine work that I've done or um, brought people to, for example. Sometimes the egg can be cracked, and even in my own experience too, but the egg can be cracked so quickly, so open, that if they don't have some structured support after, it's, uh, it's like walking uh, when you're drunk. It's like you don't really, or walking with your shoes untied. Yeah. It's really hard to actually feel like you can step into the world and navigate relationships of how people have known you in the past or familiar work settings or there's so much familiarity that comes in at every angle. Yeah. It's
0: hard to really feel stable and released. Yeah. That's how I've experienced yeah. it. And I, I've seen a lot of people who have gone that route and they have kind of a vacancy in their eyes. Where it just wasn't integrated. Hmm. And, and often they did so much of it that there's really hasn't been time to integrate it. And so there's kind of a vacancy in their eyes. And you wonder like, hmm. you, you're still here with me. And, um, it's really sad when I've seen people who I've known before and after a lot of the people I just have seen afterwards, but some of the people I've known before and after like, wow, they've, they've really changed. they, They weren't held. Mm. Um, Or maybe something else was going on. But there's still that vacancy that that I want to avoid. There's one more thing about choosing a guide that, uh, you know, I love this quote that's attributed to Ram Dass, which is that before you become a nobody, become a somebody. I think it's really important to find a guide who, who found themselves before they found medicine. Then feel what it's like to become a nobody as you rebuild that somebody I love that yeah I wish it was my quote
2: (laughs) (laughs) how would someone be able to recognize within themselves or be able to say with embodiment or or confidence Mm -hmm. that I fully integrated or I have integrated this how does someone know that they've reached a point of not completion with it but yeah fully
0: like integration of it Mm -hmm. I think that's when it's good to have a cohort with you. Hmm. Right. It's good. It's good to have your, your men's group, your women's group, your trusted friends of your counsel to say, yeah, yeah, you have, or you think you have, but there's this really shadowy side that you haven't touched. Mm. Um, so I think it's so important to be in community. Just in general, I think it's important to be in community. And I think men need men, women need women. Um, some of us have coaches which is it's great but we can we can discern but it's always good to test it hey I think I've got this hmm. like this this part about me not feeling safe not feeling like I belong I, I, I think I've left that go yeah and then it's up to you to pry a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was like oh yeah you're right I haven't or oh yeah, but I was here. Now I'm here, and all of these things—you know—all—all all of these um, these traits that we picked up from childhood—I don't know—all of them, most of them, never quite go away. Mm. We learn to manage them. We learn to be friends with them. It's like our shadows. Like we have the shadow side of ourselves. It's always there. It's just can we befriend the shadow? so it doesn't take over our lives when things come out sideways. And I think it's the same with this. You know, I'm working on this thing of feeling safe. Well, this one part of me probably will never feel safe. But what do I do with it? Mm. You know, can I be like, oh, yeah, there's that part. All right? bye. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. I don't need you right now. So, um, you yeah. know. Growth is just an ongoing forever kind of thing. Um, And I think we need a little compassion with ourselves sometimes to realize that, okay, it's still there. Been doing this for 20 years, 50 years. It's still there. Okay.
2: Hearing that, that feels like integration Mm. in terms of actually recognizing, witnessing, making friends, not trying to Shame, blame, judge, mm-hmm. criticize that mm-hmm. part, um, put a value attachment, but actually recognizing it as a part of you, but just one part. And then you get to move forward from there. Like that feels, when you were saying I was like, that's integration to me in mm-hmm. this moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, learning, as you said, learning to have compassion for those parts. Yeah. And then in partnership to witness that in the other and like you said, to be a yes to that. And
0: yeah. How healing is that? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And you know, as you're raising a child, how can I be a yes to everything? I can still have, you know, I still need guidelines. I, I, I need boundaries. Those are all super important things. But how can I be a yes to that inclination to want to do that thing? Mm. That deepest desire. Because deepest desires are never wrong. Hmm. all the surface stuff we can negotiate but the deepest stuff you know i have a deep need for safety a deep need for love deep need for being seen like you can't really argue with those things Hmm. how I'm seen how I'm loved how I feel safe that thing we can negotiate I can be a I can be a no to some of those things but I have to be a yes to that central thing I think that's what makes us human. Hmm. Yeah, it's got me thinking. Yeah, I see <laughs> that. It's got
2: me <laughs> All these conversations are like half podcast and half like coaching session, <laughs> half like the wheels. Well, tur- we should th- get th- Lauren here next yeah, time. We'll, um, do a, we'll do a couple sessions. We'll do. We'll definitely <laughs> do that. And uh, I'm curious. I want to just uh, open this up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, in this this whole realm, this topic that we're having this discussion, is there anything that you feel on your heart, on your mind, that you feel important to share that we haven't discussed or Mm. anything that really is just like
0: you feel important to communicate? I think a couple things. One is that invariably I get couples who will say to me, oh, we didn't know we needed to have this conversation. Mm. We've been together for 30 years. We didn't know we needed to have this conversation. And so, again, it opens up possibilities. And possibilities for amazing growth and healing sometimes. Um, it also helps people tap in with their own feelings. So, you know, uh, you know a common stereotypical complaint from, from wives is that my husband won't share his feelings.
1: Mm.
0: It's not that he won't share them. Well, it might be. It's typically he doesn't know them. He doesn't know what he's feeling because we've been conditioned not to know our feelings. Push that aside. And so there's a the potential just to be fuller selves, not to feel like we need to retract, not like we feel we need to hide, diminish our own light, or, or be extra big to make up for our little light, whatever it might be, You know, compensate for it. Um, it just allows us to be full, full as we are. And, um, to me, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And we can really be full when I can be full and you can be full. Part of, part of fullness is I know my boundaries,
1: mm.
0: which means I get to be everything inside this boundary. And you know, your boundary, you get to everything inside your boundary. And I know where yours is. You know where mine is. They might bump against each other, but, we know what they are, we can honor them. I think that's where real healing comes from. And, you know, I'm just convinced more and more that um, my role has always been, since I was 12, 13, to heal the world. That was, that's what was handed to me. And that's what I embraced, did all kinds of different ways. And, and what I've really come to believe more and more is that it happens through relationships and that's why this work is so important to me this is the healing of the world that that i see happening right in front of me not something that happens months away or may or may not happen but It's like wow I actually see the people coming together and healing and that is pretty cool it's the coolest yeah
2: it's the coolest and it has um it's given me a different level of appreciation and a. You know, even in a look into deeper into the work that I really feel called, at least at this point of life, in this phase of life with men. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why I feel so called to that is because I feel it's, I feel like it has been for me. I've witnessed it in others. And I can see the potential that men who step into this work Mm -hmm. with full heart and and come out, um, I've seen the impact on the family. Yeah. And I've heard I've gotten so many so many, but a good handful of messages from wives or partners after, which I was not expecting in terms of how it's changed the relationship or how they're fathering differently mm-hmm. to their mm-hmm. daughter, to their son. And it was a very unexpected thing. And I realized, at least at this phase of life, this is my way to contribute healing generations. Yeah and what I'm really seeing too and now like as much quote unquote work as I could have done on myself before Lauren which had its its value and there was a lot of beautiful stuff there and challenges man being in relationship it's it's a whole nother level it is Um, so I'm appreciating this conversation because it's given me some more stuff to sit with especially with my own dream and vision and to hear what you're here to do Mm -hmm. and you're here to show up as so thank you for that brother
0: my pleasure always good
2: talking to you and as we close off, definitely we'll include in the show notes where people can find you. But mm-hmm. if you don't mind just sharing right now, if people want to do couples, individuals with the exact work that we're talking about, yeah. how yeah. can we link them up? TedRider.com. Okay.
0: One T, my last name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then you do post some amazing, I really appreciate your stuff on social media.
0: Thanks. You always like point some. Thanks. Instagram, it's talks, And it's on Facebook somewhere too. TedRider, I guess. Awesome. Well, Ted, thank you again
2: for everything. Appreciate you and uh, just grateful to have you in my life, brother. I am too. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path and I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours.